another episode of The Music Guys. My name's Al. I'm a singer-songwriter, mixer, record producer, coming at you from the East Danforth in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. My co-host, Michael Hebbs, guitarist, composer, educator, lead vocalist on his latest gig that he's picked up. How are you, my dude? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, just uh, preparing to ruin somebody's wedding. It's not. It's, I don't think it's a wedding. <laughs> I think it's like a corporate gig. But uh, it's two male singers. Um, so, and the one male singer is actually fantastic singer. It's like, oh, nice. It's really good. You know, do you know Wilson Bose? I don't think I do. Uh, he's very good, and he's also a director. Son of a bitch. Word. I'm just a fucking musician. I can't even sing as well as him. Um, But uh, how are you? I'm fine, man. I think I'm finally, knock on wood, getting over this cough uh, that I've had for like weeks. Um, Had COVID a little while back. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, dealing with all kinds of stuff like that. Um, But here we are. We're doing okay. Uh, Excited to record a show with you. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I think we only did one last week, so, you know, we got to make up for lost time. That's right. Um, it was nice. We played a, recently a gig together, uh, and we got to, like, actually hang out, you know? That's true. Yeah, we did. It yeah, was a the, nice treat. The Christmas uh, Wonder, what is it, at Wonderland, it's called Winterfest. We were, yeah, very festive. Playing, um, uh, playing some Christmas standards. I was on keyboards, which is... Uh, not my usual bag, but you know, you took some solos. It, I think, yeah, Played a couple of, yeah, yeah. You can call, you can call them, you can call them solos, I guess. Yeah. To be honest, the solos you did, I would never want to be able to do more than that on any instrument. You know what I mean? Like you played all the melodic stuff, and you had like a little bit of the the I guess the niche stuff from the instrument. You know, the dyad piano-y thing, a little bit of that. And some like are those swoopy doops. What, what's it called? You know, with the piano, a slide, I guess. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, organ players love them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would never want. I would never want to be able to play more than that. So, uh, well, you're being very kind, and I appreciate it. Let us know what we're talking about, or let the folks know. Man, my brain, my brain's not here. <sighs> Let the Your folks brain. out there know what we're talking about today. You're, you're, uh, you've got a topic for us. So I was, we were going to call this resting on your laurels, and then we realized <laughs> that that is a negative thing. That's like when you think, not when you think you're the shit, but when you've done your work and you're like, okay, I've done all the work I need to do now, ever. Uh, yeah. This is like a positive version of that, because later in the episode, we'll talk about how you and I, how... Uh, how we're getting away with this a bit more maybe than someone who's newer, but uh, it's the idea that maximum effort does not re- uh, yield. I can't really think about many situations where it yields like maximal results, you know? Um, there's like always like a sweet spot, you know? Um, and uh, so this is particularly, I'm going to use the reference of my learning tunes, uh, because that's something that I complain about all the time on this podcast. Uh, and I've said many a time on here that uh, it's very important. Most important thing is that you learn your tunes. And if you learn your tunes, you'll be rewarded with great things. Uh, and I think that that is very true. Uh, I think that that is something that, you know, a lot of us musicians, uh, that like that's a nice factor that will sort of guarantee you a steady sort of increase in your career because a lot of people don't do that. Um, and it's sort of, I think it just cuts off some people, certain people who don't learn their tunes, they just don't get past a certain level. Uh, but you and I have gotten past that level now. And how are we supposed to, uh, differentiate ourselves from the other people? I think overlearning tunes in certain situations is going to do like jack shit for you. Um, mm-hmm. that's essentially a conclusion, conclusion I've come to, and I've been experimenting with it since about mid, uh, well, I guess just the beginning of this year, all my gigs that I've been doing, except for select gigs where it's like, you know, I get, I've been given adequate time to learn tunes. Um, 
and say, for instance, their artist gigs, really important uh, sort of stuff. Uh, I have been essentially learning what would, for the other gigs, I've just been learning what would make the artist happy and nothing beyond that. So I'm not learning any like little fills from the record, uh, like anything that the artist wouldn't notice and probably doesn't play when they play live. Uh, and I'm saying artists, but this is more for like cover gigs, weddings, um, yeah. may, maybe some gig where they're like, oh, I'd love to have you play with me, you know, but it doesn't pay that well. And you're like, Ugh. like, OK, but, you know, it's four days before or something like that. And it doesn't pay that well. I mean, that's a, that's a weird I'm still undecided about that one. But uh, pay affecting your your effort level. You know what I mean? That's a, maybe a dangerous precedent. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it should go without saying that. You know, doing the work is kind of mandatory to 100%. being successful yes. uh, in this business. So, you know, showing up, knowing your stuff, uh, you know, not being the weak link is, um, you know, is very important, right? So um, I don't think that you're trying to say, you know, cut corners no. uh, and, and, you know, don't do as good of a job if you're, you know, not getting paid as much or if you don't really care or whatever. Like, I think, you know, uh, the core of, of everything you're saying is still like, know your stuff, show up on time, uh, yeah. you know, uh, be reliable, be dependable, be a good hang, uh, perform well, you know. All that stuff is yeah. true. I think what you're kind of going to drive at here is some almost like um, self-defeating kind of like ruts you could put yourself in where uh, you sort of get uh, hyper-focused on working on aspects of songs that are really not important or crucial or core to the gig that you're playing. Yeah. Um, and that's where you can run into the burnout problem. And, 100%. And, 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 you know, not sleeping enough and not being as prepared as you want to be in other ways for other gigs if you've yeah. got a lot of stuff going on. So Showing um, up to gigs and not doing a good job because you're completely destroyed mentally. You know what I mean? That's yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, not taking care of yourself. So um, that's that's the way that I sort of see this this topic. I think it's a good topic. Yeah, it's 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 one that I tread into lightly because yeah, I don't want it to sound like oh, just do the bare minimum. But there is a threshold that when you pass that effort threshold, you're doing it entirely for yourself. And I think commonly it will not. Depending on the gig, you have to like learn how to differentiate between the gigs what the what the level of of uh, detail is going to be. It's going to be harmful. You know, uh, I actually played a gig recently. And um, I used to be all about not using charts. Wouldn't use charts on a gig. I didn't use charts on a gig until last year, which is the stupidest thing ever. Um, <laughs> like, uh, and uh, people had said that to me before, like, oh, you shouldn't use charts. And I think for gigs that it doesn't make sense to use charts, don't use charts. Unless you haven't been given adequate notice. You're like night beforeing a gig, you know, staying up all night to do the gig. You know, like uh, that's a decision you need to make for yourself. But um, anyway, so, so the idea is let's talk about my former approach to learning tunes just to be detailed about it. But this can apply to production. This can apply to a singer. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, how how that sort of uh, boils down in a second. But so my former approach to learning tunes would be uh, if I was given, say, for instance, two weeks, um, I would like go through, say, for instance, 45 songs, and I would notate, um, sometimes in standard notation uh, or sometimes in tab, depending, everything that I was going to play in in the set for all 45 songs. Uh, so no moment of those 45 songs would be, like, unplanned. Um, solos, if I decided I was improvising, I wouldn't notate, but generally I would just learn the solos from the record. Uh, and that would probably take me four hours a day, uh, which is just stupid for a $150 gig. Once again, we'll talk about maybe when that's uh, more appropriate. Um, but so to contrast that to my current approach 
to to specifically like a cover gig, uh, something like a wedding where especially the band, um, you know, we're all professionals. We're all there to make money, do a good job. Uh, but I'm not there to like, you know, learn a like two minute guitar solo uh, for one song, that obscure song that I'm ev- like never going to play again. Um, my current approach is, you know, the red light, green light thing that you talked about, which we had just talked about last episode. Quickly talk about it. It's just the idea is you're looking for what are the things that are going to screw you up. So the red lights, uh, green lights are obvious. If the whole song is one, four, you can just shut your brain off and go one, four. Don't learn any of the licks unless say, for instance, there's an integral lick to like, you know, maybe at the end of the song. Um, and I just did a cover gig actually on a Saturday, did this very thing and it worked flawlessly. Um, but, uh, so for green light, you're just shutting off your brain. You're not like even going to worry about it or think about it or go into more detail than you could. Uh, and then, so that's really my current approach for cover gigs. Um, and then obviously for artist gigs, depending on timing, uh, you know, if I get it the day before, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this approach where it's like, I need to prioritize time so that I actually get through the material and do a good job, uh, get like a little bit of sleep so that when I show up, I play like my mind is fresh and I can react to things happening. Um, so I'm still doing red light, green light there. If it's like the day or two before I get a set. Um, but obviously if I've, if I've been given adequate time for an artist set, I'll kind of do something similar to what my former approach was. Uh, depending, uh, I mean, I, I hate to get too far into this, uh, just cause it makes it seem like I'm prioritizing some over others. But if I have a massive gig, uh, and it's, you know, this gig is going to be a, a huge deal for me and, uh, you know, I really want to kill it and I've been given adequate time, like something like two weeks before with the set, I'm going to learn pretty much everything off the record like note for note, kind of similar to what I was doing before. Still though, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to practice. I would like practice feels before. So I would literally like be like, Oh, I got to get good feel on this part. And it's like, maybe I should just start working on the song. And then by the end of the week, my feel will improve as opposed to being like, I need to get my feel good tomorrow, today, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so the the current approach on like really bigger important stuff where you can't have charts uh is a little bit similar to what i used to do um but uh so let me talk about specifically what i do when it comes to like uh learning sets just as a broad thing like even if you're doing a simple cover gig or if you're doing an artist gig i think we might have talked about this before so step by step I get the tunes on Spotify as soon as I get the set list. So if you send me the set list, you know, today, I'm hopefully going to get them on my, my phone um, so that I can listen to them in the car because you and I drive around a lot. Uh, and then when I get a chance, or even as I'm passively listening, I'm listening for problematic areas. So red lights, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but areas of songs, but also just songs in general, you know? So uh, one song could be entirely a green like 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 we were talking about before, um, but then as uh, you know something comes up, it's like if I don't learn this properly, this will like train wreck the song. That's a red light. Um, so that makes a difference. Uh, one of the things that I found helpful with this though, identifying right out the gate, as opposed to just starting on the first song and working your way through the set list and learning them as you go. Um, going through and identifying the problematic songs is I was going to play Jolene for a gig. You've played Jolene. I'm pretty sure, sure I have. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a specific finger picking part, right? Yes. And I haven't played that song in ages. So as soon as I knew Jolene was on the set list, uh, that was one of the things that I would dedicate a little bit of time each day, like even like five minutes, just playing boo doo 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 trying yeah. to get that comfortable. And the first two days couldn't really do it up to speed. Third day I was getting close. And then, you know, the next few days I, I was getting there. But it was only like five minutes a day. I wasn't spending like, you know, an hour working on it on the first day so that I had it for for that, which is something I used to do. Right. There's two. Um, and then so uh, the easy songs I'll work on much closer to the date. 
certain songs, you know, they're like the night before. Now, this is usually for a cover gig, right? Artist gigs, there's never any really songs that are that, you know, like undetailed. You know, something like uh, Boys Round Here on a cover yeah. gig, it's two chords. Yeah. Two chords and a lead line. And because I've been listening to the music all throughout the week, I don't have to struggle to learn that lead line. I can sing it, therefore I can play it, right? Um, whereas if I, on the first day, were to write out the lead line and try to get it into my brain, that's a waste of time. I'm going to get that done just by listening to the tunes or throughout the week. Um, but uh, a really important thing for this, though, is deciding whether or not you're going to use charts as well. Um, which, what, what is your... What is your go-to on charts? You know, like, so I have my policy. Man, that was, uh, that was such a good chat. You just, you know. Uh, what I thought I about this a lot. Because I'm doing something wrong and I need to fix it. A pontification it. there. There's so many things I want to touch on. Um, yeah, let's. Oh, man. Wanna, yeah, we go over it. Yeah, okay. step by step. So, all right. So, um, I think. You need to approach every gig you play with an awareness of the expectations yes. of the people in the band, especially yes. the person who is in charge and hiring you. Yes. Um, that's the most important thing. The second most important thing is, uh, I guess which ties right into it, is making sure that you can satisfy those expectations and that those are realistic for yeah. you to come in and do a great job or surpass those expectations, right? Yeah. So if that's not going to jive, like if I get the gig two days before and they're like, we don't want you reading charts, yeah. then I might, I, might, I might have to say no to that gig. That's a great yeah, I'm not going to be like, call. no, I'm going to, you didn't give me enough, enough time, so I'm going to show up and do this gig and not read charts and like, because that's just, that's, that's wrong. You can't make me do that. Yeah. It's like, what's the point of that really? You know? Yeah. Like if, if it's not, you know, I might have a conversation with the person and be like, look, like I, I just don't have time to memorize these. I, normally I wouldn't want to read charts on a gig like this, but like this is the best I can do. You know, will that work? Yes or yeah. no? Maybe it won't. And that's cool. I might just be like, yo, you know what? Like, thanks for, thanks for asking me. I just, I just don't think I can do as good of a job as, as you want try giving, you know, this person a call who I know is great and I th I think they might be free. You know, that so I think that's kind of step 1A, 1B is like know what everybody's sort of expecting on the gig and know whether or not you can achieve that. So, you might look at um a very serious artist gig and that doesn't have to be something that pays super well and you're on tour in a bus, and it can, certainly that would fall into this category, but it could also just be an artist uh, that's new and that you really believe in, and the band leaders, um, you know, if you're not the band leader, maybe the band leader's, you know, a stickler, and they want a really tight show, and this artist is yeah. going to make some waves, and you, you know, it doesn't pay that great right now, but you're listening to the music, you're like, you man, I really, wanna, worth it. I really want to get in on this, so yeah. like, I'm going to put the work in, great, you know. The last thing you want to do is show up to a gig like that and be like, "Well, this doesn't pay that much. This artist isn't that big. Yes. Therefore, I'm I'm not going to really learn the songs." It's like you're you're gonna you're gonna lose um, standing in the eyes of everybody in that band if their yep. expectation is we're taking this super seriously and we're, um, you know, we're we're here. If they've to, never worked with like a guy like us before too, where it's like this is a hired guy. This is not yeah. a bandmate uh, who's been rehearsing with you for eight months. Uh, you know. If it's uh, it's hard, right? Because if you have adequate time, you can get that across. Like, oh yeah, no, I've been playing that sort of feeling. Like he's been playing with them for years. You know, he knows everything. No, like note for note, perfectly. You know, so much yep. so that nobody will even know that you're there. Um, sort right. of cut it into you. Yeah, no, no, totally. So that's a situation where if you can't or don't want to put that effort in, then you need to say no to that gig. Now, yep. a wedding gig, a corporate gig. Um, these are, you know, if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to overgeneralize and, uh, by a, a lot here and call like a serious artist gig is like your A tier gig. You're like, 
you're, you're subbing out of other things to play this gig. Yeah. You're learning every note of the record. You know exactly what you're doing. You're not reading charts. Uh, you know all the backups that you're supposed to know. Backup vocals, that is. The yeah. B-tier gig. My, I probably shouldn't put it in these terms because it's going to upset people. But So I if, if it's mean, like a though. wedding thing or a corporate thing, right? Um, still, the um, expectations are likely going to be Showing up on time, being professional, that kind of, of goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going yeah. to have to dress a certain way, so yep. make sure you can do that. And you're going to need to know the core repertoire of the band well enough that you can jump from song to song very quickly, because most of these yep. bands uh, do not pause at all between tunes. There is no yeah. time for applause. You're, you're essentially like a live uh, DJ in certain senses. Um, so you need to know... Uh, the songs uh, well enough that you you are not slowing things down. Um, so if you have a chart system where you can quickly step through things, if you've got one of those foot pedal things that connects to your iPad, oh yeah, oh, where you yeah. can flip the page. I don't have one, but I should probably get one. Um, you need to know the transitions. Oftentimes these bands will have custom transitions yep. from yep. song to song. These are things that you need to know. These are red lights. These are things that people are going to expect you to do. Um, you can improvise your solo on, you know, signed, sealed, delivered. You don't need to lift, you know, I'm not even sure if there's like a, I I don't even know what the solo is on that song at this point, but I don't even know know if if it has one. Yeah. If it's a saxophone solo or whatever, uh, you don't need to lift that. You can improvise your solo. You can stretch, you can jam, whatever. But when you start transitioning the next song, you need to know how to do that. So that's where you want to put your time time, though too. Right, that comes with time and experience being yes. good at that. So that's something you might need to spend more time on when you're yeah. like greener. Which and so, obviously we're still green, but you know we're not fifty. But we'll get there. Uh, I'm getting a getting a little long in the tooth over here. Um, I think yeah. So I mean, but in that case, like every band I've uh, every band I've seen that's doing those types of gigs, people are reading charts. Uh, vocalists are reading yes. lyrics, especially when there's custom requests. Where it's like, I'm never going to play this song again. I don't want to yes. sink several hours into memorizing this over several yes. days. Uh, I've done that before, and it's just, it doesn't feel worth it to me. It, and the expectation yeah. is not anything other than just make the song sound good. So, cool. I'll do that, you know? I'll read I'll read some lyrics and some chords to make sure that I don't make any mistakes, and that's cool. To so, not use charts on, this, on these sorts of gigs is wild to me. I mean, I used I to do that. Year. I I know a lot of yeah, the core. No, yeah, I know you did. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the core rep um, for the wedding bands that I play with. Um, oh, well, I really only play with Stereo Flavor at this point, but I know, like, I know most of the core rep by heart. There's just a, a handful yeah. of songs that have come up, you know, um, kind of post me, you know, getting married and having a kid where I've just been like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to chart these out. Cause, of course, um, man. And at this point, I, I you know, could and maybe I should just memorize them because I've played enough of them that it's a but bit so of a hassle. Thing. Like, One gig here and there, you play a song and then you, you read it from a chart. But if, mm-hmm. say, for instance, you're playing with that band and all the time they're doing that song all the time, you will learn it eventually. You know, maybe two or three gigs, it, it should be mostly there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know it's different so, for lyrics, unfortunately. Um yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, so I think it should be fa- fairly obvious what I'm talking about here. Again, it's the expectations. Make sure that you can meet those and make sure you know what, what people are expecting. And then I like a, a C-tier gig, if you will. Not that any of these are better or worse than any, than, than, yeah, than any others or whatever, but it's like, if it's like a pickup gig, if it's like, hey man, you free on Friday, like we play three sets at the Corral and it's... You know, I'll send you the set list, uh, you know, yep. as soon as I can. And like you get it the day before and it's like country covers. Yep. You know, if you want to jot down some Nashville number charts and just kind of have an idea of how the songs go, it's like sometimes that's enough, right? Yeah. And there's no the need, there's no need to stress yourself out and like, because that's not what the expectation, like there's certain artists um, where it's like, man, there's certain artists I've played with where there's not even a set list. They're just mm-hmm. like, hey, can you can you show up tonight and just play? It's like, sure. 
you know, and and I know some of the songs they do, and they just like they just kick in tunes. They don't tell me what they're playing. They just start playing something. And I'm just like, yep, okay. And they might be like signing, hand signing, uh, chord changes to me, and it's just like, okay, like you know. And this is the vibe, and if and it's it can be a little bit stressful, but like, yep, I, I'm cool with that. And again, it's like I'm not going to badger this person for a set list. Or which is exactly what I did like, the first time that I I encountered that. Yeah, because <laughs> and I, I play with this person to this day, and it's like I get it now. It's just it's not the vibe, right? No. So it's no. like if I'm cool with it, I'll do that gig. If I'm not cool, with it, I'll say you know what, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Um, so again, it's it's expectations, making sure that you can live up to those or exceed them. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the. Stuff you mentioned related to um, practicing methodology, like sure. how you're actually um, practicing. And I thought what you said, of, if you can sing a, a part, like a solo or a lead yeah. lick, uh, man, that is so, so good. Like everybody yeah. out there, that's one of the best ways, honestly, to practice, especially if you're uh, tight on time to actually sit down with your instrument Mm-hmm. Um, you could be driving, you could be on a walk, you could be, you know, doing whatever. Um, if you can sort of sing in your mind, uh, or out loud, how those, those licks go and kind of maybe you're, you know, giving yourself a pulse and you can, you know, sing along with that. That helps so much with, uh, with the memorization aspect of it. Um, yeah, you get better at it, right? You get better at learning tunes. Yeah. Um, and then like, I was going to ask yeah, you, like, when ahead. you're working on feel, you said you spent a lot of time working yeah. on feel. When um, formerly, um, formerly, yeah, yeah. So I think it's good that you're not as focused on that. Um, I I would just like, I think it's important. Obviously, like you want to yeah. have good time feel, you want to have good groove. Um, I guess I would just say, like, make sure you're practicing with a metronome. Uh, but also, like, with the record. Yeah, I do like, that all the time. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think, you know, practicing with just a metronome is not going to give you the feel. That'll yep. give you the timing in terms of, like, just being consistent with your with your own, um, you know, uh, internal rhythm or whatever, um, meter, if you will. But, yeah, the actual feel and groove yeah. comes from, like, the band as a whole. So if you're just dropping into a group where you don't really know the players, you guys haven't played together before, it's not something you should stress too hard about because, like, you don't know what the pocket of that band's going to feel like until yep. you're there, right? Yep. So it's more about just, like, kind of knowing what parts you're trying to play and knowing how the songs and, go and knowing the importance, transitions, stuff like that. The point with feel too for me was I was trying to I, I identified I did identify formally like you know what are the problem areas and I'll work on those but I'd start working on them like a lot within the first few days and it's like that's just going to get better by playing the song so if you're play if you play through the set like five times throughout the week you know in total each time your feel is going to get better like trying to fix it on day two is silly and I know that this is like pretty specific to uh, you know some people like us where we're learning tunes for people. But I think that this idea of that maximum effort, at least in one area, doesn't like um, give like maximum results. Like applies to other stuff. Um, so, say for instance, you know, with an artist, if they're entirely focused on their vocal ab- ability and not you know the quality of their productions, their songwriting, you know, uh, uh, the the way they present themselves on stage which is actually something I've, you know, in life, then they're shooting themselves in the foot. You know what I mean? Um, and also their health as well. I mean, if, you, if you're a mess on stage, if you look like a corpse, <laughs> like I currently do under this light, um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to want to watch that. Um, or it depends on what type of band you're in. Um, but uh, so it, it, it does apply to other stuff. It, this is, if I could go back and, and like give myself former advice, I would definitely somehow get across that there is, there's no such thing as 102%. You know what I mean? If the gig, a hundred percent of the gig, you know, is just showing up like for one of those gigs where you just jam, just fucking show up. Don't, don't fucking, you know, lose your 
shit beforehand and and like lift a bunch of country souls unless you have time to do that like if you have no gigs great but doing that for you know if you have like 10 gigs already like 10 different people you play for um unless you're given adequate time it's just the whole point is no amount of work is worth your sanity all of that stuff because that trickles down obviously in to your career but it's also bad for you as well um but so i was just sort of doing a little bit of math on on a sort of a i I don't know exactly where i was going with this so bear with me um so i in the last six years and i would imagine you played with more than more than this i've played with 42 different people and the reason i know this is because i keep all of my charts uh and the folders of the charts in my google drive and it and it tells me when I started them. So uh, in 2016, so I guess it's almost like seven years, uh, yeah, I counted them. played with four, 42 different people, and I would say that 39 of those gigs went really well. Uh, and some of them went like super well, and they were so happy. And some of them went well, and they're like, yeah, good job. Um, and three of them went very bad, <laughs> at least by my standards. Now, in terms of, I don't think the playing was necessarily bad. One of them... I didn't play as well on, but, uh, two of them, I don't think the playing was bad. Just, you know, miscommunication. There was a bad vibe and, you know, uh, maybe they expected certain things from me and I didn't deliver them to, them. uh, and out of those 42 gigs, I only play with 13 of those people currently. That's so actually a pretty learned, good retention rate. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, if you're looking that, at this as like a strictly a business thing, that's like a one one in four. Yeah, uh, now, that being <laughs> that's pretty said, good, man. Yeah. Still playing with them, I'm considering that as you know, I'm within first call, maybe second call. I didn't. I don't think any of them are like third call, and I, a lot of those are like will gigs. You know, my brother, and then I'm the second call because I'm his brother, uh, which is hilarious, uh, and that is how my career exists, but. Aside from that, uh, the point that I was making on this, though, on the three gigs that I did bad, those are actually gigs where I was at the peak of my overlearning. Um, like where I was literally, like, so a separate gig during this peak overlearning time was a cover bar gig. And I was given two weeks, which is great, to learn 45 songs. And I think, so I spent every moment before work when I woke up, and every moment after work until I went to bed, other than like obviously eating and stuff, uh, uh, for those two weeks, I mean, maybe one of the days I missed, maybe, maybe two of the days I missed. Uh, and uh, that was my former way of learning. And those three gigs that I did the exact same thing for, you know, like literally every waking moment, uh, and I didn't do good on them. Many of these gigs, I'd say probably about like seven or eight, maybe nine of these gigs, uh, since I've adopted the new way of learning, I'm still the call for. Uh, and some of them, they won't be as heavily affected because they're, you know, artist gigs. But for cover gigs, like I literally, I've, I've played cover gigs where it's like, yeah, I know most of these songs. There's two or three songs. I'm just going to listen to them in the car. And then the day before, I'm going to check them out. And that's it. Which sounds insane, but obviously because you and I are experienced, um, at least in in this particular gig, uh, I was experienced with the other material. It's like, yeah, why would I start well in advance and you know be like, well, since I have all this extra time, I can really wow them. You know, I showed up and they were very happy with with what it was. I just think that being over prepared is it was my way of compensating for maybe not being as confident of a player, maybe not having as much experience. And I think by overlearning songs, I was taking away from my ability to practice uh, or put it into other things that were going to like make me a more viable option. Um, but uh, there's one more thing that I want to talk about with this idea of maximum effort, just because there's some things that like kind of are exceptions to the rule. So I couldn't have done what I did for that gig where it's like, oh, yeah, there's five songs that I don't know that well. I'll listen to them for the week. And then I'll learn them the day before. Um, I couldn't have done that like five or six years ago. So, you know, like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to almost, I was going to say like, you almost have to go through the process of 
putting quote unquote too much time into like learning songs at a when you're starting yeah. out because you just need to learn songs in order to get good at learning songs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, especially in the case of like wedding corporate gigs, uh, bar gigs, like you just need to learn a lot of tunes so that you just build up a repertoire so that when you do get called for stuff, you're not like, holy crap, there's 50 songs in the set list and I haven't played yeah. any of them before. You know, you're going to have that experience the first time you ever get a wedding gig and you're just going to have to, you know, bust your ass learning a bunch of music. Like that's just kind of what we all came up doing, right? Yep. And it's only over the last like handful of years that we're kind of at a spot where we're like, yeah, like I, you know, I look at a set list, like I know most of these tunes and if I don't know most of them, I might say no to the gig because, like, I just don't have time yep. to. Yep. <laughs> Unless it pays well enough, uh, yeah. or you have nothing um, going on. Like during the winter, I'm more keen to accept something where it's like, ah, yeah. There's a certain bar in a certain place with a waterfall uh, where you know I'm less keen to play there, even though the bar is great. Uh, but obviously during winter time, fuck yeah, I'll take a gig there. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, so it's just interesting. Like, there's obviously other stuff. Like, you learn how to follow along with songs just, like, with your skill level. That's something you could work on, though, learning how to follow along with a band. Um, you know, just being able to be like, I don't really know this song, but I know what key it's in, so I can I can do it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, yeah, like you said, uh, we we know more tunes, therefore we can, um, you know, when we see a set list, it's like, oh, I'm missing five of the songs. Um, but I think this all ties back to if you don't know a bunch of songs is pacing yourself. You know, if you, if the gigs start to roll in, that was a mistake for me. I went from playing with like one band to playing with like 10 or 11 bands. Uh, I was just sort of stressing about learning the tunes and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing bad on the gigs, but I wasn't feeling as comfortable and like, I just wasn't happy. Because I mean, if you approach it as a sprint, we've talked about this before. Uh, it's it's I think it's only going to shoot you in the in the short term, you know. Yes, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to bite off more than you can chew in this. I mean, the only way to really find out how much you can chew is by going too yes. far. But yes. I mean, yeah, it's it's um, it's not worth it. So um, make sure that you take care of yourself uh, above all else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. In addition to that, I'll just reiterate that like showing up to a gig and doing a subpar job as per the expectations of the people yes. in the band is an absolute uh, like catastrophe. So don't yep. do that. Despite all the stuff that we've said here, um, yeah. you know that all is within the category of like make sure you're doing a great job by the standards of the gig. Yep. Um, and if you can't do that. Don't take the gig. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it it's hard to tell, right? Because uh, you and I know signs uh, of these things. You know, like say, for instance, somebody said to you a set list two weeks before, and say, for instance, it's for a wedding gig. Uh, and I've done this myself where I'm like, oh, you know, wedding gig, I know all the material. I'm going to look at it the week before, you know, just in case. I'm not going to open it until the week before. I've done this before. Um, and then I open the set list. And then I find out, oh, no, 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 you're singing on this wedding. They didn't really tell you, you know, officially, but mm-hmm. you're singing on this wedding. Uh, that's like not for this, not for this wedding gig here. Fortunately, I got the set list yesterday, started today. We're good. But uh, in the past, and I really had to crunch, um, you know, so knowing the expectations. Another thing I used to play in a sort of corporate cover wedding band sort of thing and like, the expectations of that band were like an artist gig. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, I feel like, you know, if I were to sub into something like that now, it would be hard. Nobody outright says it. You kind of have to infer like, okay, well, let's check out what this other guitarist is doing. Oh, they have all these videos of him playing. And, you know, he's playing like these very, very specific things. Or they have a bunch of medleys or transitions, you know, um, stuff like that, you know, or they've added parts and sections to songs. So it, it is tough. I mean, I know this is a very like, like side person specific episode, but this idea of maximum effort does not yield maximum results. 
It's mm-hmm. like I, I'm on a very anti-hustle culture thing right now. It's like healthy effort yields healthy results over a long time will be healthier results. Even if you don't get as many gigs because you don't take as many gigs, uh, your reputation will be that of someone who's responsible, learns their tunes really well. So, yeah, that, that is that is my spiel. Is there anything else you have to say about this, though? Maximum effort. Like, have you ever done this with production? Uh, do you ever find yourself doing this? I mean, with mixing, even. Have you find yourself getting into the weeds? Oh, I mean, I get into the weeds all the time. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's a different problem. Um, with production, I mean, no, I, 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 production's different in the sense yeah. that, um, <clears throat> how do I explain this? Um, production is different in the sense that, you're all the goal is always to give the artist uh back something that makes them super excited about about that music yep. right achieves yep. their creative vision maybe goes past it um and so no matter what you're working on that process doesn't really change like there's yeah. not really a wedding gig of production it's just like i have to find I, I, yeah what is killing about this song and like what's gonna make this artist you know listen to this and be like wow this is better than i ever imagined it sounding that means yeah. di- that means something totally different uh, or can mean something totally different for every different project but um generally speaking it's not that situation the only uh thing that changes this is um deadlines so if you get a project um which i've done this before like we need 10 songs edited and mixed in like two weeks i have to make some concessions um to you know my own desire to be a perfectionist and and because there's no time you know yep and it's understood going in again expectations fulfilling expectations it's understood going in that this is not very much time so the people i was working with were not very picky on their revisions they're like yeah this sounds this sounds good let's go with it right because there wasn't any time so that's what changes it but um yeah i'm sure they exist though you haven't experienced it in production but i'm sure it exists i'm sure when you reach (laughs) a certain level of production and it becomes you know, like your time is so valuable that someone insists with working on you, working with you, uh, and you, you're like, I don't have enough time to do this. And they're like, just do what you can. Just do what you can is a really hard thing for people like this. I think at that point, I think I just wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take true, on the project. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's maybe the advice as well, too. I know someone who uh, had this with video editing, though. Okay. Uh, so for a, a drama school, they needed to edit a bunch of videos of them performing uh, and like line things up with the audio from the laugh mics and do transitions. And this person edits videos for a living and makes these immaculate videos with cool transitions and color grading. And it was, I think it was something like four hours of footage. And the pay rate, you know, was, you know, it wasn't like you take a music video and you times it by, music videos, five minutes, you don't, you know, times it by whatever it takes to get it to four hours. It wasn't like, you know, 50 grand. It was just a bit above what a music video would be. And so for them, what they're going to spend on each two or three minutes is going to be a tenth of what they would spend on a music video. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, again, you could have that conversation before uh, and again, Yes, make sure that all the about expectations yeah. and whether or not those yeah. are fulfilled. That's what that's what's going to upset people and um, or make them really happy, right? So, yep. Um, Going over expectations doesn't necessarily always make them more happy. Like way over expectations. Well, there, there's a bit of an inverse relationship there, or some kind of I don't know if that's the right term, but it's like I feel like with an artist gig, like you, the more time you put into that the better. Yes. Um, um, but 
with like something like a bar gig, the more time you put into that, uh, doesn't necessarily, yeah, yeah, like diminishing to returns. That's a great way to say it. Diminishing returns happen very quickly when you start putting extra time into like a one-off bar gig. Um, But when you put in extra time on an artist gig, it's a while before there's diminishing returns. And I think people really do appreciate when somebody comes in and just really crushes it, especially if you're like an actual member of that band. Like, you know, you you, you really want to like, I I really can't iterate this enough. Like you just want to crush it. So um, I think you can also, there's, you got to also have that sort of internal awareness or like alarm or something. It's like, I'm, I'm worrying too much about something that's not going to matter that much. Like if it's, um, you know, four bars of music in the show and it's like not a featured part and you're like, man, I really got to nail this note for note because it's so intricate and it's so sick and it's like, you want to do that for yourself? That's cool. But like, it's not going to make or break your gig. Doing it for yourself. Yes. I don't think anybody's going to hire you based off of that. But that's that's my rant because uh, I, I mentioned this in the, in the last episode, and I sounded when I like was as I was saying, I'm like, this sounds really lazy. But it's like there is a way to approach learning this stuff when you have a lot of stuff coming in uh, and uh, having a healthy balance with it, which is tough. I still don't know what it is. Neither do you. Neither do any of us. We're still figuring it out. I dig it, man. There you go. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to this one. If you have any feedback for us on uh, our, uh, what we talked about today or maybe you have any stories or, or anything like that, um, you can let us know by leaving a comment on Instagram, by uh, leaving a comment on our website, musicguidepodcast.com, by sending us an email, musicguidepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or show topic ideas, you can also leave them there. Uh, or you can message us or post on our social media accounts. I'm... Uh, at Alro Music, and Mike is at Bruno the Meek, uh, both on Instagram. Um, finally, if you'd like for us to play your music, your music, your original music on our show, you can uh, reach out to us in those same ways, and uh, we just might play it. We've got something to play for you today from an artist. Uh, named VJ Radul. The song is called OCI. We're going to leave you with this one. Thank you, VJ, for submitting the tune to us. Uh, we love it. Super groovy, super cool. Uh, so, everybody, enjoy this tune by VJ Radul. This is OCI. We will see you next time. Bye for now.